John chapter 1, verse 16 through 17, and then Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 19. If you don't have your Bible, you can look it up on your digital device. This morning we began a new sermon series on the grace of God, and I have titled this sermon series, Grace, the Ultimate Game Changer. Uh, in the business world, there is a concept called the game changer, which uh, talks about uh, a, an event or a decision that changes the entire trajectory or outcome of a situation. A game changer is defined as an element or factor which significant, significantly changes the trajectory of a situation. And I know this morning that there are some of you that could use a game changer. Some element or factor that would come into your life and change the trajectory of the situation that you're living right now. Maybe your marriage needs a reset. Maybe your relationship with your children needs healing. Maybe it's your finances that need a new direction. Maybe it's your spiritual life that needs revival. I don't know what it is you may need, but I do know the game changer this morning. I know the element and the factor that can change your life. And so I want to introduce you to the ultimate game changer in this sermon series. And we're going to talk about the grace of God. Grace is a doctrine we all need to study. But it's a person that you can know personally. Grace is a foundation on which you and I stand and it is the dispensation in which you and I live. Grace is the power that you and I draw on to live a holy life. But it is also the inexhaustible fountain that you and I will never be able to run dry. And John talks about this grace in John chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. He says, For his fullness, from his fullness, we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. And then Paul writes to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, and he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you as we celebrate and rejoice these who have come in obedience to you in baptism. And now as we come to your word, I pray that you would speak to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit and that you would encourage our hearts as we come to the word of God this morning. Anoint my lips of clay to preach the word and anoint the hearing of this congregation to hear the word with gladness and receive it into the inner recesses of their heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. 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 You may be seated, and uh, we thank God for you being here this morning. 
the world for many years, for hundreds, thousands of years, lived and uh, illuminated itself at night with the oil in a lamp. But then a game changer occurred in the, uh, in the 1800s, and an inventor named Edison brought us to the electric light bulb. And every one of us has the electric light bulb in our house, and we enjoy the benefit of the electric light bulb, and that invention transformed the way that the world functioned and transformed the life that you and I know to this day. The same is true in the means of communication. It used to be that you had to have a letter carrier carry your mail. But now you and I can uh, see the advances that have taken place in communication. We went from uh, the snail mail to the telegram to the telephone to the cell phone and then from the cell phone to the instant message. And there have been many game changers in the history of communication. Things that have changed not only uh, aspects of life, but every aspect of life. Uh, now you can, you can uh, call from just about anywhere and make a decision over the phone or on the internet. And these game changers have come in and they have erased the entire way things were done before and have put in place a whole new way of doing things. Well, I want to introduce you this morning to grace. Because grace is the greatest game changer ever known to man. Grace changed the entire trajectory of human history and made an end of the way things used to be and brought us into a whole new way of life with God. You see, the means of communication changed the way you and I communicate with each other. But grace changed the way that you and I can commune with God. The, the, the uh, electric light bulb changed the way that you and I see at night. But grace changed the way that you and I can see God. And so when you come to know grace, you come to know the greatest game changer that has ever been, uh, that has ever been known. And so I want to just tell you what the game was like when things all got started. The Bible tells us the story of the fall of man. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They fell in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says that when sin came into the world, death came into the world through sin. And so that you and I are born, we're born in sin. We're born under the very power of the kingdom of darkness. And every man or woman that's ever been born has been born in sin, have been born in their desperate need of God. Now sin separated man from God. Sin separated a holy God from sinful men. And so that man or woman, when you and I are born, we're born separated from a holy God. And this has been in a, a wall that has been in existence from the beginning of the fall. But you see, God being holy is also love. And he wanted the world to come to know him. And so he began to put in place a system whereby we could come to know him. On well, that holy mountain at Sinai, God established the law and he gave it to Moses. He gave Moses the law whereby through commandments men could come and approach him. We know this as the law of Moses. It began with Ten Commandments and then more than 600 instructions that were given to the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai. This law was given as a mirror 
for man. The law was given so that you and I, when we look into the law of Moses, we can see a reflection of ourselves and discover whether or not we are right with God. So let's just take a little look in the mirror this morning, if you would, and let's see where we stand with God. When you look in the mirror of the law, you will see that the law says, you shall not bear false witness. That means we should not lie. So when we look in the mirror of the law, I think every one of us has to find a little guilt on our face because we have all been dishonest at some point or another. You say, Pastor, is God really that nitpicky? Does it really get down to little white lies and such like that? Friend, he established the law so that we could see just how much we needed him. When you look into the mirror of the law, you may see that it says you shall not commit adultery. And then Jesus raised the standard and he raised the bar. And he said that any man who looks upon a woman who's not his wife to lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. And I can hear the groans of God's people this morning saying, oh, there I am again. I have, I have fallen short. This mirror is showing me something I don't want to see. You might see in the mirror of the law that the law says you shall have no other God before me. But oh, how many have put other things in front of God. And so as we look in the mirror this morning, we may see that there is idolatry that's that in, in between us and God. Maybe as you look in the mirror of the law this morning, you might see that the law says you shall not steal. And yet we may be guilty of theft. The law tells us that we should keep the Sabbath day holy. But oh, how many Sabbaths have we broken and not kept holy? And all oh, this law, it's like a mirror. And you know what I learned about the mirror? The mirror can tell me my problem, but it can't solve my problem. The mirror has no solutions for my life. When I look in the mirror, the mirror can tell me my hair needs combing, but it can't comb my hair. The mirror can tell me my face needs washing, but it can't wash my face. You see, that was the limitation of the law of Moses. The law could just tell us what was wrong, but it couldn't do anything about it. It could not reach into the depths of the heart. Not only did God give man the law as a mirror, but he gave man the law as a map. This would be a map to show man his, how to get to God. The, the mirror shows us how much we need God. The map showed us the way to God. And oh, what a map it was. When you follow the map of the law, you will find that in the tabernacle there was a door and only one door, signifying that there would be only one way to get to God, and that would be through the door, Jesus Christ. After you came in to the tabernacle, you would find the, uh, the altar of, uh, of, uh, of bronze and that brass altar always burning the, uh, the sacrifices of Israel was the type and shadow of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The law was giving us a map that we'd have to come through the door, which is Jesus and his grace, that we'd have to come to the cross where our sin was dealt with and judged by God when he poured out his wrath upon his own son. And then you would follow forward and you would see the brazen, the, the laver. And on that laver you would see for the cleansing of the priest that this relationship with God would be also a relationship in which we would be purified and made clean. When you went a little further, you would find that there was a place of intimacy with God, a place where his law was the light, where there was a, a, an illumination in our darkness, a place for worship and a place for face-to-face -face fellowship with God. You see, the law provided a map, but it couldn't get us from point A to point B. And finally, the law provided a measure 
The law set a standard that you and I could stand up against and know just how much we had uh, to go before we could reach God's standard. And you know what, guys? Like little kids standing up against the, the door trying to measure how tall we've grown since yesterday, right? Just wanted to see, did I, gain, did I gain any ground on my little brother since yesterday? When you and I stand against the standard of God's righteousness, we find that we are woefully short from the standard that God has set. The law leaves us so short that we cannot reach the holiness of God. It means that our limitations, our failings, our sin, our shortcomings has left us far from God and woefully short of his standard. But then God introduced a game changer into the system. That's when you ought to get a little bit excited because the story is about to turn around on its head. For the Bible says that Moses brought the law, but Jesus brought grace. Jesus brought us grace. What is grace? Grace is the new law. Grace is the new sheriff in town. Grace is a new jurisdiction so that the law showed me my need for God, but grace provided access to God. The law showed me how far I was from God. Grace lifted me so that I could be in touch with God. The law showed me how woefully inadequate I was, but grace made me adequate before the Father. Somebody ought to give God praise this morning for his amazing grace. A game changer came into the world. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that Jesus Christ at the right time came, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who were born under the law. And listen to what Jesus did. First thing Jesus did was he fulfilled the law. You see, that was our problem. We couldn't fulfill the law. But Jesus came and he fulfilled the law perfectly. Do you know that Jesus never sinned, not once, not ever, not ever once. Jesus never sinned. Jesus is a perfect Savior. Tell your neighbor, I have a perfect Savior. Now you can't say I have a perfect pastor, because you don't. And you can't say we have perfect elders, because you don't. And you can't say that I, I have perfect deacons in this church, because we don't. But you can say, I have a perfect Savior. I have a perfect Savior. Jesus fulfilled the law of God. He fulfilled it to the very letter. He left nothing undone. That which we could not do, he did in his absolute perfection. And so, friend, if you want to come to God, you have to come through Jesus Christ because he's the only one adequate to fulfill the law of God. Not only did he fulfill the law, but he came and he brought grace. He, brought, he inaugurated or instituted a whole new system whereby man could approach God. He, he put away religion and rituals and the, 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 uh, the sacrifices of the old system. He put away the rules and the regulations and he brought us a door of grace. Let me put it to you like this. There is a, a thousand story building and this, the building's really a lot taller if you're, we're talking about heaven. But let's just say down at the bottom level is us and on the top story is God. And in order to get to uh, God the Father, you have to decide which door to take. There's two doors you can take. The first door is called the law. And behind door number one is a staircase, a really long staircase, a thousand stories of stairs. And so, friend, if you decide, you know what, I'm going to get to God on my own. I'm going to do this myself. You choose door number one. 
guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be climbing for all eternity. You're going to be climbing for your whole life, one foot in front of the other. The bear went up the mountain to see what he could see. But you see, you'll never get up to the top because man is woefully inadequate. You see, if you had all of life to live, if you had all of eternity to live, you could not satisfy the justice of a holy God. But guess what? Jesus came and he provided door number two. And on that door is that beautiful word, grace, the game changer. And so when you open that door, you're going to discover it's not a staircase, it's an elevator. And all you have to do is get on the elevator by faith. And by faith, Jesus will raise you up to live by the standard of an almighty God. Come on, somebody. If you're on the elevator, give God praise. That's a game changer. Some of you are still on the staircase. You need to get on the elevator. Jesus is the game changer. He will take you from unrighteousness to righteousness, from, from sin to saint, from impurity to clean in the eyes of a holy God. Now listen to what we read. The Apostle Paul describes for us the dimensions of God's grace. So if you would, just kind of pull out your mental tape measure and let us measure the dimensions of God's grace. The Apostle Paul prayed a prayer that I pray for you every week. He said, God, I pray that you would bring this people. He was talking about the Ephesians. I was talking about Kingsway. Lord, bring Kingsway Church to the full knowledge of your love for them, of your grace for them. He says, oh, if you could only see the whiff of God's grace, the breath of God's grace, how wide is the grace of God? You see, the grace of God is so wide that you and I will never be able to span its width. It's wide enough to encompass every person in the human race from beginning to end. The grace of God is wider than all of the human race combined. You see, it used to be that we thought God's grace was only reserved for the Jews. But then Jesus came and he made wide the door of grace for all of mankind. For the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who did he love? He loved the whole world. He loved the whole world. He loved you. You know that this morning? God loves you. God's love and his grace is wide enough to reach you. It's wide enough to encompass you this morning. But you know what else? God loves people that we don't know. God loves people we've never met. You see, you and I, we love people we know, but God loves people that we don't know. The Bible said, Jesus said, I have sheep in my fold that you know not of. And you know what else? This is going to hurt you a little bit, but I want you to know it's true. God loves people you don't even like. Oh, no, Pastor. Yes, God loves people that you don't like. There are people in your life you, you, you can't stand to see them, but God loves them just the same. And he loves them because his love is wide. Oh, friends, I doubt we've ever known the wideness of God's love. We don't understand just how wide his love is. It's like a little child telling his grandpa or his, or his daddy, how much do you love me? Do you love me this much? No, I love you this much. But you see, the hands of man cannot possibly describe the wideness of God's love. He loved every man from Adam to the last man that will ever be born. Thank God for his grace that is able to reach 
All men everywhere. That's why I preach the gospel. And that's why I preach it, pa- preach it passionately. Because I preach the gospel on six continents. And guess what? God's grace was wide enough to reach every single continent I ever preached on. Somebody ought to give God thanks for the, the breath of his grace. But then Paul says, oh, if you could know the length of God's grace. How long is God's grace? Well, let me just ask you this. Think about, imagine, the furthest point you could ever go. Think about the furthest out you could ever get from God. And guess what? He'll be two yards past that if he has to be. God, his, his grace is longer than you and I could ever imagine or think about. The Bible says that the prodigal, the prodigal son in the parable, he went to a far away country. He was further than he'd ever gone from the father. Over there he ate far away food. He committed far away sins. He was far away from his father. But guess what? The grace of God reached all the way out there and brought him all the way home. I'm talking to somebody this morning. You think you're too far? You haven't gone as far as the grace of God can go. God can reach you. It's longer than your sin. It's longer than you can run. When you're done running, Look up, grace will already be there. When you, when you come to the end of your course, you say, I'm done. I'm done running. Friend, grace will be right there to receive you. Oh, the length of God's grace. But then the apostle says, oh, if we could know the height of God's grace. How high is the grace of God? The psalmist said, the loving kindness of God extends to the heavens. His faithfulness reaches to the skies. His righteousness is like a mighty mountain. Oh, church, I'm talking about the grace of God. So tall, so high that it can connect the heart of God to the heart of man. Where are you today? Do you feel far from God? Grace can connect you to God and make you at one with the Father as the Son is with His Father. Oh, friend, the grace of God is higher than any mountain you could climb. It's higher than any goal you could set. It's higher than any achievement you could achieve. The grace of God, oh, the height of His grace. And then Paul says, and oh, we could know the depth of the grace of God. How deep is God's grace? Well, if you can imagine how deep a pit you could fall into. Where is your rock bottom? You know not everybody's rock bottom is rock bottom. Some people have this rock bottom. Some people have that rock bottom. Some people have to hit several rock bottoms before they hit rock bottom. You know those people that it's... One failure is never enough. They just got to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. But guess what? When you get to your rock bottom, grace is deeper than that. When you have, when you have arrived at the lowest place, you can imagine. Guess what? God's grace is deeper still. God's grace, God's love is deeper still than that. It's deeper than your rock bottom. It's reach deeper than your hell. It's deeper than your sin. It's deeper than your shame. It's deeper than all of your guilt. Friend, the grace of God is deeper still. If you fall into a hundred foot well, Jesus brings 400 feet of rope. He brings more than you need because his grace is overwhelming in his compassion, overwhelming in his extent toward man. Have you known what is the height and the depth and the width and the length of the love of God? of the grace of God. If you haven't this morning, I want to tell you, there is nothing that will change your life like knowing the grace of God. The grace of God will transform your life. When you realize 
God's not mad at me. God loves me. God's not angry with me. God is satisfied with me. That God has been pleased with us because we're in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some people, they live thinking, God's never satisfied with me. I can never do enough. I can never, I can never achieve enough for God. Let me tell you, friend, that's not the God of the Bible. The Bible talks about in Isaiah 53 that Jesus from the cross would look at the offspring of his sacrifice, meaning he would look at us. He would look at all the people that would be saved through his death on the cross. The Bible says that he looked at them and was satisfied. Say satisfied this morning. You know, God is satisfied. When you're in Christ, God is satisfied with you. Have you ever been satisfied? You ever had a good meal and you just say, ah. When, when you're in Christ, God is satisfied with you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. Nothing you can do to make God love you less. He is the abundant Grace giver. Why? Because he is grace itself. You see, grace is not just a doctrine. Grace is a person. Grace is the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is God himself. And he makes this grace available to us. What is his grace? It is his unmerited favor. Undeserved favor. God shows favor to us. He shows partiality to us, although we don't deserve that partiality or that favor. Now, notice with me, I talked about the, 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 the source of this grace, but let's look at the recipient of this grace. Who has received this grace? Well, first of all, we notice that, uh, that we have received this grace which was unmerited. We have received something that we did not deserve. Do you understand that? We could not have merited the grace of God. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean you don't have enough good in your life to merit the grace of God. Nothing you can do can make you deserve the grace of God. You say, but, but I'm, a good, uh, I'm a good person. I'm, I, I go to church. I, I fulfill my duties to, to religion. I do all of those things. I help, I help old ladies cross the street. Friend, there's not enough good deeds in the world to get you to merit the grace of God. We have received God's grace in an unmerited way. We could not have deserved it or earned it. You and I have received the grace of God in an unearned way. We could not have earned it. Nothing, not any amount of good works could cause you to earn the grace of God. And we have received the grace of God in an undeserved way. What did we deserve? We deserve wrath and judgment. We deserve hell and condemnation. We deserve eternal separation from God. But what did we receive? We have received mercy. We have received grace. We have received forgiveness of our sin. We have received an open door of access to God. And this by the grace of God. For you see, when you work a fair day's work, you get a fair day's wage. And when you, when you play a fair game and you win, you get a fair win's prize. And when you, when you achieve a fair achievement and you receive a fair award. But when it comes to grace, there was nothing we could have earned. There was nothing that we could have achieved. There was nothing that we could have competed for and won. Jesus paid it all 
All to him we owe. He is the giver of this unmerited favor. He has extended to us that which we did not deserve. Mercy on top of mercy. Grace on top of grace. Oh, do you hear it, friend? Jesus came and he brought grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Every time you think, okay, now I've blown it. Now I've failed so much, God can't forgive me. Now I've failed so much, God won't take me back. Just let me tell you, friend, for every layer of disappointment and failure, there is another layer of grace. For every layer of setbacks, there is another layer of grace. For every time you thought you had, you had fallen short and that you couldn't get back up again, Grace comes along and says, come on now, we're not done yet. We have, a, we have yet a, a long way to go. And grace is that, that, uh, that layer and layer upon layer of God's mercy extended toward man. I'm talking to somebody this morning who you have seen rock bottom. You have fallen to places you thought you'd never go. You have, you have come to places where you thought, I am at the end of it all. I, I, I just don't see how I could recover. Maybe you've sinned in a way that you think God will never forgive me. Maybe you have, you have destroyed your family, your marriage, your relationships. Maybe you've fallen so deep that you think that there is no way that you can ever get out. Let me tell you, friend, there is a game changer, and that game changer is grace. And grace can bring you out of the deepest, darkest hole and set you on high and give you hope again and peace again and relationship with God again. So I tell you this morning, have you received grace? For you see, grace is as available as the ocean. But you have to receive it. You have to open your heart by faith. For the Bible says, by grace, we have been saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, for it is the gift of God. Grace is the gift of God. Ever had a birthday party? Anybody in here ever had a birthday party? This is a sad little church this morning. Nobody's had a birthday party ever. I need to preach a sermon on birthday parties, it seems like. Ever had a birthday party? That's what I thought. And when you had a birthday party, did they bring you any gifts? Sad little church. Did they bring you any gifts? Yes, they brought you some gifts. And when, when you got those gifts, did you say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't deserve those gifts. <laughs> For me, I don't deserve it. Oh, no. You received those gifts. Can I tell you this morning that God has packaged the gift of grace. He purchased it with the blood of his son Jesus on the cross. All you have to do is receive it. Just say, yes, I'll take that gift. I'll receive it. I couldn't do anything to earn it. I couldn't do anything to merit it, but I received it by grace. I received it by faith. And friend, when you receive that gift, God does the rest. He begins that work which no man can do in your life. He begins to bring new birth and new life to your spirit. Can I tell you today that there is no game changer like grace. There is nothing that can change the trajectory of your life but the grace of God. I need to ask you an honest question. When you look at your life, friend, what do you see in your future? Do you see more of the same? More of the same ruin and bankruptcy in your soul? Do you see more of the same failings and setbacks? Do you see sin dominating and destroying your life? 
Can I tell you, friend, today Jesus is standing at the crossroads with the gift of grace. He's saying the way you're going doesn't have to be the way it ends. The way you started out doesn't have to be the way it ends. I have come to introduce you to grace. I have come to introduce you to a new way of life. The old law has been fulfilled. The old system has been set aside. And there is a new system in town. There's a new sheriff in town. His name is Jesus. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is enough for you. His grace is amazing, extravagant, uh, overwhelming. Uh, and it is something worthy to be celebrated and praised. And if you will receive his grace, if you will receive his love, it will change your life. You may have never known any kind of love in your life. You may have never known any kind of freedom in your life. You may have never known any kind of joy in your life. Let me introduce you to joy and freedom and peace. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he is able to reach you in the deepest part of your anguish and anxiety and bring you to a place of hope and a place of peace. The old hymn said, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Sinking deeply, stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. And from the water he lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, grace lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. We sing it a little different now. We sing it like this. His grace and mercy is my testimony. Look how he lifted me. Look where he brought you out of. Look where he brought you out of, friend. That's the grace. The grace of an almighty God. Hallelujah. Will you receive his grace this morning? Will you set aside your pride and say yes to Christ? For today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Open wide the door of your heart to Christ. Get on the elevator of grace. He's done the work. He's done all the pleasing and satisfying that God requires. In him, we are being made a new creature. In him, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ.